With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's going on today? Hope the day is treating you well. Wanted to let you know the podcast is proudly brought to you by Muskoka Spray Foam Insulation. If you need your home spray foamed, be sure to check out msfi.ca today. Drew and the crew over at Muskoka are waiting for you to help you with your spray foam needs. Be sure to check out msfi.ca today. We're also proudly brought to you by Boone Contracting. They pride themselves on excellent customer service and quality workmanship. They specialize in every aspect of contracting, residential or commercial, from complete custom renovations, decks, fencing and more. Be sure to check out boonecontracting.ca. What's going on, Leafs Nation? It's James, and I'm sitting down here for the debut episode of Full Press Leafs. And my, oh my, it is trade deadline in Leafs Nation. You are absolutely on fire. So today we'll be sitting down with Jeremy Ridgewell, up-and-coming writer for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and he is part of the Full Press Leafs family. And then, of course, last but certainly not least, sitting down with the one and only Mark Seidel to break down things around the Leafs prospects and what's going to be happening for the Toronto Maple Leafs going forward. Maybe deals that did not go through. We'll chop it all up and see what happens. Joining me will be my co-host, Mr. Corey. He'll be sitting down speaking about what he thinks about the Maple Leafs. I feel this will get quite heated, quite battling back and forth. I have one steadfast view, and a lot of Leafs Nation doesn't seem to like it. But we'll see what happens. I believe this team has the ability to still be good, has the ability to turn the corner and turn it up and turn it on. You're missing some key pieces, which are like deadline ads when you get going forward like that. You look at a Morgan Riley and what he can bring to this team. You look at an Ilya Mikheyev, who was absolutely on fire, Soup was, before he got hurt. And then you look at Cody Ceci. Obviously, the eye test doesn't favor him, but the underlying numbers do. And right now, with the Leafs not having him in the lineup, obviously there's a little bit of struggles going on. So whatever he brought, it must have been some continuity because obviously this team needs him and doesn't seem to be playing the same without him around. That being said, there's a lot to break down getting into Leafs Nation today. So everybody buckle up, get ready. This episode is going to be rocking and live. Here we go. Alright, so the best thing about doing a podcast, ladies and gentlemen, is I can lie whenever I want. I said Jeremy would be joining me right away, but guess what? My co-host, he's come out of the darkness. He's here with me. Corey is riding shotgun. Boys, it's great to have you both on right now. Full press leaves, representing on the trade deadline day. I'm going to start with you, Jeremy. How did you think the day shook out for the Toronto Maple Leafs? I think it was pretty disappointing. Uh, I think, like most people, I was waiting patiently for uh, some sort of trade, whether it was Tyson Berry or someone else. And considering all we got was uh, Hutchison going to Colorado and then some minor deals after that, I think it was uh, quite disappointing. Whoa, 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 whoa. Minor deal. The Leafs were involved in a three-way trade, something that's so rare we got a fifth-round pick, and we paid, what, $190,000 to get it. That's amazing. That's, that's wizardry, if you would. <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't help us right now. No, no, no. Well, and the other side of this is we have Corey sitting down as well. Corey, as the co-host of this show, what do you think about the Toronto Maple Leafs trade deadline day and what went down? Well, obviously, I agree with Jeremy. I was pretty disappointed, but... Um, what made me more disappointed was seeing all the other teams around us give themselves a little boost for the stretch here and that's what we needed more than Boston needed more than Carolina needed and it was just a little disheartening seeing that after we got embarrassed twice this week we didn't add anything but then I had a couple hours cool down I had my little rants and freak out and I thought about it for a while and if you asked everybody every Leafs fan back in September with this roster are you happy with it you would say yes correct 100% so it's kind of hard when you look at it that way. It's kind of hard to be too negative 
because we still have our big guns healthy and rested because they haven't been working hard the last month, so they should be rested. Um, <laughs> so when you look at it that way, I'm still confident going into it. I mean, I think Carolina or Florida, sorry, made themselves worse. That trade was bonkers, in my opinion. I mean, Eric Hollow's a great player, but Vinny Trocek, I mean, second line center, supported Barkov fairly well on the second line right behind him. I don't understand that deal, but nonetheless, I'm not arguing because I think they lose, and Florida losing at the deadline means the Maple Leafs are winning because we had one team to beat out, basically, down the stretch. So um, at first, I was pretty pissed off and upset, but I had some time to think about it and you know we're pretty much where we are where we were back in september and we were all fairly happy back in september so it's too hard to complain too much all right gentlemen i got two things to say here on this point okay close your eyes for a moment and just imagine this okay there's no twitter there's no social media there's no noise there's nothing around there you wake up today you don't have any of the negativity swirling around this team and you just simply look at the standings the leafs are third in the atlantic holding on to a playoff spot right now and they have the ability with the team that they have on the ice to be able to pick up more points. So if you take away all that noise and negativity, would you not be happy that your team is sitting third in the Atlantic? I know you want to be better, but at least you're sitting third in your division. So, I mean, is it not just the noise around this team, the media, the hype up, being who they are as the Toronto Maple Leafs that end up being the bigger problem here? Because... There's so much negativity and vileness that goes towards the Toronto Maple Leafs. We see it with our own full press guys joking around with us and taking jabs at us that we can't even really enjoy what we have. But like I said, you close your eyes and you strip it all down to bare bones. We're in third in the Atlantic and there's a lot of teams behind us. Look at the Buffalo Sabres that would love to be third in the Atlantic fighting and clawing the way we are, having the slips and trips and falls that we're having right now, but still maintaining a playoff spot. So I think it's not all as doom and gloom as people may seem. And Corey, like you said, you sat and you reflected and you look at this team and you think about it in a different light. I'm wondering, guys, if you close your eyes and strip it all down, is it not good enough to be third in the Atlantic right now with everything that's gone on this season, all the coaching turmoil, the players, the injuries, everything, still to be holding on to a playoff spot? I'm pretty damn happy about that right now. Absolutely. I mean, if we didn't know the standings right now with all the negativity surrounding the Maple Leafs, you would think that we're 10 points out of a playoff spot, but we're not. And like I just said a few minutes ago, if we asked ourselves back in September, the last week of February, if we're in a playoff spot, would you take it? You're damn right you would. So it could be a lot worse. We could be the Buffalo Sabres. We could be the Ottawa Senators, you know? I mean, I'm, I'm not happy, but it could be a lot worse. Jeremy, wondering what your thoughts are on that, my friend. Uh, well, the thing I was thinking about after I had time to uh, go over everything and listen to Dubas's press conference earlier is I kind of agree with his statement that basically the embarrassing games we had this week, this team is the one that's gotten themselves into the mess. This is the team that's got to get themselves out of it. So I agree with him not necessarily having to add and say, look, you guys, we believe that you can do it. Now you got to show me you can do it. No, I definitely, I think the squad definitely can do it. Well, the second part of the thing I was going to say is you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yes, they didn't make any big deadline ads, but guess who put his feet on the ice today? None other than Mojo Morgan Riley. Elia Mikheyev's out there strengthening the wrist, doing skating with Barb Underhill as well. And Cody Cece's out there for the negative eye test that Cody Cece has. The underlying numbers for things he does defensively are not overly bad. And it's something that we're missing. So you look at those three players. If they come into your lineup, they instantly help. Especially a guy like Riley. You look at Mikheyev. The guy was on fire when he went down with the wrist injury. So that is a key add. If you can get those guys back in some point in March. And let them help build you guys towards a playoff push. I think the timing is good, and I think those are key ads that most teams couldn't go and get a defenseman like Morgan Riley, and you couldn't add a guy with a little bit of size, grit, and speed like Mikheyev. So I'm wondering uh, how you guys feel about our additions that are coming. Um, I would say it's great 
that we're going to be getting them back, and I think also the fact that they look like they're going to be back before the playoffs also hindered anything that Dubas could have done today because as soon as they come off the long-term injury reserve, all of that free cap space is gone, and you can't go filling that with some guy who's making four-plus million dollars. So, I mean, that kind of handicapped Dubas, and if he's confident that those guys are at least two out of three are coming back, then you can't blame him for not doing anything. What do you think, Corey? I mean, those players returning is a big boost, bigger boost than any trade would have been. I mean, you just picture trading for a Morgan Riley and dumping a Mark Marinson, trading for Ilya McKayev and dumping a Timbershop, which we did, obviously, we lost him to Detroit. But those kind of deals, there'd be a parade in Toronto right now if we made those. And basically, that's not what we did, but we're getting those guys back and we're subtracting our two worst players from our lineup and arguably adding our two best. McKayev has been one of our better forwards. Riley had a slow start, but let's be honest, he's our best defensive. So we're in good hands going forward, and I think everybody seems to relax, take a deep breath, and realize where we are in the standings. Um, you know, it could be a lot worse. We have two big boosts coming back. I'm hoping within the next two or three weeks. But Morgan Riley's skating on that injury right now. I mean, he's not too far ahead, too far off, I mean. So I'm very happy with those, with that news today. That's just as good as a boost in my eyes as a big trade would have been. You know, getting these guys back is absolutely 100% key to the Toronto Maple Leafs. I look at Morgan Riley, though, and I want to break it down just a little further. Before he went out with an injury, he was struggling with things. He was missing practice a la Tyler Bozak a couple of years ago when he was out on the foam brick. So, you know, he wasn't healthy going through the beginning of the season. So getting him back at even better than he was before and having him anchoring that top pairing, and then you start sliding guys that are playing D into their proper positions, not giving them too many minutes, not exposing them to situations that they shouldn't be in, and you start getting that pecking order down, I think you see the Maple Leafs that went on that 11-game point streak start to rear their heads again because the ability is there. But when you start putting guys in positions where they're not able to succeed and where they have issues going out of their comfort zone like a Justin Hall or you look at a Sandine or a Lilligren who are green and jumping up to those points in the lineup, then you start looking at guys that are playing you know, out of turn. So you get a Morgan Riley back, you get a Cody Ceci back, those guys can help fill in the spots where the other guys don't need to be. And I think that is absolutely huge. But getting 100% or close to 100% Morgan Riley back for the end of your season and into the playoffs, who baby, sign me up for that. Absolutely. I mean, taking away Martin Marinson's 50 minutes per night alone is huge. <laughs> I mean, even if Riley can't play 25 a night when he's first back, that's fine. I mean, I think Dermott, he hasn't been playing great, but he'll give him more minutes, might help his confidence. That's I feel like that's all he needs. The young kid playing in a tough market, man, is not easy to play, especially as defenseman. We've seen a lot of careers go to the dumps in Toronto. You know, we've had some good players, and he's so young. Like we pissed away Jake Gardner, I feel like he's a great player, but he just couldn't crack the pressure. And I hate to see it happen to Dermot. And I just feel like if we give him a little bit more responsibility, he'll get a little bit more confidence, and he'll produce better. And I feel like Riley's return will help with that because right now we have Marinson. He played 18 minutes the other night, and we can't have that. We're not making the playoffs. We're not making the, the first round with him in the lineup for 18 minutes a night. Um, no, not at all. You know. It's just frustrating to watch. And, I mean, I feel bad for the guy. He's trying. He's he, he, he's been in the press box most of the year. Finally gets a chance, and he's playing terrible. I, my heart breaks for him, to be honest with you. But, I mean, I don't feel that too bad that I, I don't want him to be in the press box again because I've been cheering for this team for 20 years. And, you know, all I want is success. And it's nothing more frustrating than this year because every other year, by the end of January, middle of February, we either know we're in the playoffs or we know we're out. This is a situation we're not used to. We're not accustomed to. We're str- like every game is like anxiety is magnified. We don't know what's going to happen. Like we're usually comfortably, comfortably in these new mouth tonight in a playoff spot at this point of the season or we're out, you know? So it's very stressful. I'm excited for the stretch run, but it's also nerve wracking as well. 
Yeah, I'm uh, I'm interested to see if uh, now that the deadline is over, if the players respond differently now that that anxiety is gone. Um, I feel like a couple games ago we started to see Muzzin playing the way he should, and I think part of that was he knew the contract was uh, agreed to, and he knew he was going to be staying, and all of a sudden he started to improve. So I'm wondering if we can start seeing some of that from the other players now that they know, hey, we haven't been moved, we're a group, we're sticking together, and we're here till the end. No, there's a lot to be said about that stuff. A lot to be said, because you look at guys like Kapanen, or you look at a guy like Lilligren, or, um, you know, you can go down the line. All the guys that have been mentioned for trade from Toronto, you know, even Tyson Berry. How hard do you grip your stick, and how how much does it weigh on you? You look at uh, Jean-Gabriel Pajot, they did an interview with him, and he was up all night last night puking, because he was so nervous about today, the thought of moving, and where he was going to go, and where he's going to get dealt, and what it was going to be. Is he going to sign a contract? So, you know, a lot of times we don't even think about that stuff. You don't think about the human element of guys moving. And Jeremy, you're a, a big advocate for mental health, you know, and, and you could probably speak to this more than anyone. You know, when when things are in turmoil and there's a lot of noise and things going along, along with it, you know, it gets into your head and it, it gets you upset. And, you know, playing a game like the NHL level, you know, you have to have your, your wits about you and everything, you know, in, in order. So obviously, you know, the thought of bouncing around or the thought of being traded and then you start hearing these guys getting sick and start hearing these guys, you know, having sleeping in like Kapanen or whatever, you know, the, the give a crap meter or whatever you want to call it. I'm wondering, Jeremy, from your side of things, what do you think about guys? You know, it's got to weigh on them. It's got to be heavy because obviously you got, you know, family, friends and everything weighing in on it as well. Absolutely. And I mean, I know a lot of players, they'll come out and tell you that, you know, the, try to stay off social media but they've got friends and family who are reading everything that's being said about them you know they're hearing it whether it's from you know the the third person or you know um one way or another they're hearing about it and to be ripped day in and day out whether it's justified or not you can't say it doesn't uh, affect you um maybe it affects some more than others but it does affect you in some way at some level and not everybody is equipped to deal with that and it is going to give you restless nights um you're you're know you're not going to play 100% because you're mentally not prepared um, so again, now that the trade is over and everyone that's here knows they're here till the end, I think, uh, I think there is room for improvement that, uh, you'll see with that weight being lifted off their shoulders. Now, Jeremy, before we let you go here, I just want to get your, uh, unbiased pick. So take your Toronto Maple Leaf hat off, set it down for just a moment, or maybe you've already thrown it off after today and give me your honest to God thoughts of what you think the Stanley Cup final will look like and who is your team going forward? The team you think has done the most to improve themselves and get rolling? Um, I don't know if I can pick a final. Uh, maybe I can give uh, the, the top four. Um, I think the East will uh, be probably Boston versus Pittsburgh. And uh, out West, I'm... Edmonton and uh, Vegas after today. Oh, ho, ho. I like that. I like Edmonton definitely loaded up, and you know there's a lot of noise going on around the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, with the teams in the Atlantic. Obviously, Boston and Tampa loading up, and we'll get into that a little bit later on. But Jeremy, I want to thank you very much for taking time on trade deadline day. I know you've been busy with articles and keeping up with all the news and notes. So thank you for swinging by, and thank you for being a part of the full press Leafs family problem i appreciate the the invite and all of that all right so that was jeremy ridgewell writer for full press leafs and overtime heroics he is uh one of the up-and-coming guys you got to make sure you check out all of his work uh you heard what he had to say about the mental health side of things with the toronto maple leafs and other players you know getting traded now Corey, you, you listen to what jeremy said there i'm wondering from your perspective do you think it's harder on guys before they get traded or do you think it's harder on guys after they get traded and having to embrace a new team, new set of ways, and, and everything like that? Um, 
Well, I think it's harder after, to be honest with you. Depends on who it is as well. Um, some of these guys have kids and a wife, and if they get traded to a new new team, I mean, in, let's say, beginning of March, they're leaving their family behind. You can't uproot your kids from their school system with two months left of school. Their wives have jobs, most likely. So you're leaving your family behind. That's not a good feeling. I'm a parent of two, and that would break my heart. I, I guarantee you that. And it would make it a lot more harder to focus on the game, knowing that your family and your kids are behind, knowing that you've left the stress of everything on your wife's hands. That's a big burden. Um, so I think it'll be much more difficult in terms of that. But if you're just a young kid with no responsibilities, no kids, no wife, a fresh start, you're motivated, man. You got a fresh start. Not too many guys get a fresh start. You don't get a second chance. Except for Alex Calchenyuk, you get four second chances. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's my take. I'm also a father, too, so I have a soft spot for that kind of stuff. Um, in terms of not getting traded, um, leading up to the deadline is definitely stressful, just for the reasons I just said. Um, you're potentially bracing your family for, hey, I'm going to leave you guys for a couple of months. Um, Daddy's not going to be around much. Or can you go the other route, take them with you, put your kids in a new school for two months, which is not ideal. they got to make new friends. It's, it's bigger than the game of hockey, let's be honest. I mean, it's stressful stuff. It's not easy. Mental health takes a big toll on, on the players this time of year, no doubt. Well, it's very interesting to look at these side of things because, like I said, you don't really look at the human aspect of the things going on around guys when they're getting and putting into a trade or their names out there constantly. You look at Tyson Berry, and you don't think about the... Uh, hey, maybe he's not playing well because he thinks he's getting moved. Or even Jake Muzzin, maybe he's not playing well because contract negotiations aren't going well or the number's not where it wants to be or the term isn't where it wants to be or whatever it is. And maybe they're saying, hey, we can't get a deal done. We're going to ship you to X. So you start thinking about those things, looking at those things, and you get a little bit worried. And, you know, the next thing we're going to do is we are going to sit down here shortly with Mark Seidel and just break down, you know, what went on around the Toronto Maple Leafs with the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Boston Bruins, and all of the other Atlantic Division teams. But I want to get your thoughts before we jump in with Mark. Uh, the Buffalo Sabres went out and made a deal to acquire Wayne Simmons and add him to the team when they are not within shouting distance of the uh, Atlantic Division, at least. I'm wondering what your thoughts are and why they added Wayne Simmons. Was it to uh, appease Jack Eichel, or is there something else we don't know about that's cooking in Buffalo? I don't understand that one whatsoever, to be honest with you. I mean, yeah, they, they get a couple of wins now in a row and they're right back in the hunt, but let's be real. they got to jump over a bunch of teams, man, to get that wild card spot. And to me, what they're doing is they're acquiring assets to not make the playoffs by less points. Therefore, they get a, a worse draft pick, which sets them back even further. Like, these are Jack Michael's prime years. Make a big splash or... You know, don't. Like, I don't understand what they're doing. Wayne Simmons is not helping the Buffalo Sabres. Wayne Simmons could help the Boston Bruins as a fourth-line, you know, gritty guy who would help them. But Wayne Simmons is probably going to play top six minutes in Buffalo. That's not helping them. You know, maybe third-line winger. I'm not sure. But I don't see that helping them whatsoever. They also moved out Evan Rodriguez, who I think is a great player to have. And Connor Sherry, one of the quickest guys in the game. So they lose two vital parts of the team and bring in a guy who's on the way out. It just doesn't make sense. That's the Boston Bruins type move. That's what they're famous for doing. But <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense to me. Well, yeah, you look at the standings, obviously Buffalo is uh, eight points out of the wild card, six points out of the Atlantic for third place. So they they got a lot of work to do, like you said, leaping over a lot of teams. So uh, unless you're fully believing that you can beat Florida, the Rangers, Columbus, and Carolina, who also loaded up today and even possibly take over the Toronto Maple Leafs, who hopefully, like we said, will be loading up with the guys back from injury. Um, they got a lot of road to cover and, and not a lot of rubber to uh, to put to it. So I don't see what they're trying to do, but uh, that, that harkens the other question I have, the Carolina Hurricanes. Obviously, when they played Toronto on the weekend, they sustained a couple of injuries uh, to the goaltending, so they went out and addressed that. They also went out and addressed the defense. Obviously, Pesci looks like he's going to be out for a little bit. So they added from the Rangers, and they also added Mr. Sammy Vatnin. So it looks like Carolina is trying to be for real. Do you take them seriously? Uh, I do now because they just solidified their back end big time. What I don't understand is why they didn't go and get the goalie. Robin Leonard was there for the taking. 
they have a first round pick to get. Why not use that and acquire Leonard? No doubt Leonard's not worth a first in my opinion, but you could add a few more pieces and maybe get another depth forward or because they did lose uh, Walmart, I believe. They lose, yeah. Yeah, Walmart, yep. In the Hollywood deal. So um, I just don't understand that. It's hard to, you know, talk negative about them when they just acquired Benche and Sammy Batman, which is two phenomenal demons. I don't already talented back in as it is. Obviously, Dougie Howell is a big loss, but you got Slavin and Pesci and, you know, Jay Gardner's there. Um, that's a great backhand, let's be real. And they are dogs. You know, that's a great team. We just added another second-line center. Phenomenal player in Vinny Trocek. So, I think they're 100% for real. They're Right now, they're they're sitting in a second wildcard spot, but they have two teams at hand. So, I mean, I like them. I think they're the favorites to win or to land the last spot in the Metro Division. Um, I think uh, Philly's going to find a way in a wildcard spot. But, um, yeah, I like them. I just don't understand how they didn't acquire a goalie. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I know I don't the uncertainty of the injuries to the two goalies, but, I mean, even if it's three or four games, that's a, that's a lot of points lost, potentially. You know, like that's huge at this point in the season. If the Leafs lose four points in the next six, that's devastating for them. I know that. So, but yeah, that's my thoughts on I think they do come out looking pretty after the deadline day, but I think they definitely could have addressed other needs. But I had to complain when they added a bunch of studs. Yeah, see, for me, I, I just look around and I start seeing all the moves that were made by other teams. And it, now it's starting to, to boil me over. No, come on. I look at the other teams and I see what they do. They're all reactionary moves, mostly like the uh, Carolina Hurricanes had to add what they added because they lost players. You look at um, Tampa, they added Blake Coleman. Um, it's because uh, apparently Cernak and a couple other guys are injured on that squad. Um, you look at Boston, they go out and they add the uh, Andre Cashy or Cashy or however you want to say his name. And, you know, they go out and add today Nick Ritchie getting a little bit tougher. But they're not adding anything big. It's not big, big names. Um, you know, so for me, I look at the teams that added. I look at Pittsburgh being the team. And I look at uh, the the Carolina Hurricanes as a secondary team. But coming out of the, the East, it's going to be the Washington Capitals. I think that stealth move with Kovalchuk was huge. Oh, yeah. He's going to gel with Kobe now. Big time where... They're both obviously Russian. That, and they're already a crazily talented team as it is. You know, and they got Brendan Dillon as well, who's, you know, I'd love to have him on our team. Sandpaper guy, tough as nails, can handle the puck, you know, take a bullet for the team. That's what they need, you know. They, they're they built to win a championship. And that's, you know, that's what it takes. And I think they're, them and Pittsburgh will be in the conference final. It's going to be a battle. I mean, it's even tough to pick because you got Boston there as well. And you have Tampa, who just acquired, you know, Blake Coleman's a talented player. And, I mean, Barclay Goodrow, I don't think he's worth a first-round pick, but he's a good fourth-line guy. Don't forget Bogo either. Yeah, there you go. Another, I don't know where he fits in, but, I mean, in my opinion, they had another Bogosian already in the press box and Luke Shen. You know, they don't play him. I don't know why. I love Luke Shen. I was down there in November watching the game, and he was phenomenal. You know, just what they needed. Simple guy, does simple stuff, composed on the puck, you know, take the body, old school style, and that's what they need. I mean, they have Sarkachev there who's not that, who's not built for that way. Shaq Kirby's getting older now, you know. Stuff like that, you need a guy who can want to power on the penalty kill, block a few shots for the team, you know. Um, do that hard work in the corners, because Shaq Kirk can't do that. I mean, yeah, sure, you can do it a little bit, but he's getting up there in age now, and that's not what he's there for, let's be honest. But whatever they think is a good fit, let's see what happens. They got a lot to prove after last year, you know, 62 wins, none of them in the playoffs, like uh, I think it was Chris said earlier. I mean, that's, they got a lot to prove. They're embarrassed of themselves. So I think they're going to be another good one piece. But we're in for a good finish, that's for sure. Definitely is. Well, we're going to get Mark Seidel on, and we're going to sit down and chat with him, talk about everything that's going on around just like we are right now. So give a second here, ladies and gentlemen, and we'll bring the man, the myth, the legend, Mark Seidel on board. All right, so as promised, out from the outset, we are sitting down with Mark Seidel. He is great to speak to when it comes to prospects, things going on around teams, and obviously today would be trade deadline day. We now want to break down everything that's happened for the Maple Leafs. Well, didn't happen, 
And then, of course, what happened around them with the Boston Bruins, the lovely Tampa Bay Lightning, and everyone else in the Eastern Conference. Mark, what sticks out to you today from a standpoint from all the teams that made deals, and who do you think strengthened themselves the most? Well, I think my overriding thought of the day is the prices were high. I think that's that's kind of the, you know, as I look at all the trades and kind of look around at who went where. You know, I, I thought the prices were higher than I probably thought they would be. You know, I think you know I'm no different than a lot of people, certainly on TV, radio. You know, I think Carolina did a really good job in terms of helping themselves. You know, I think that uh, you know San Jose didn't do much, but all of a sudden when you get first for Barkley Goodrow, you've all of a sudden just you know you've helped your day right there. So I think that helps. You know, Tampa added some pieces, which I think, uh, you know, they're helped. So you got some teams that, that really did help themselves. And I really think, you know, from a from a draft standpoint, from a team rebuilding, if I was auto, I'd be ecstatic tonight. You know, you know they've they've made some moves over the past few years that kind of make you scratch your head a little bit. But, you know, walking out of, of draft, the trade today, trade deadline, you've got 13 picks in this draft coming up, including three firsts. So, you know, you're in a full build, rebuild, and... Uh, you know, now you've traded away a couple of your better players, so you're going to sink in the standings probably, uh, which isn't good for fans, but it is good for the long-term health of an organization trying to rebuild. So you get a higher pick, and you know, with 13 picks in this upcoming draft, combined with some really good young players they have, I think I thought they really did well. So you sit down and you look at that, what Ottawa did. Now you, you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs. This market is obviously heated right now because Toronto didn't do anything big today. But what I've been preaching through the course of this episode so far, we had Jeremy Ridgewell on a little earlier and sitting down with Corey as well, my co-host here. You know, I'm thinking the fact that you get Morgan Riley, Ilya Mikheyev, and even Cody Ceci back. Those are big ads that you didn't have to go out and spend anything for, but they are additions to your lineup. I'm wondering, Mark, from your perspective and everybody you deal with, how do you feel the Toronto Maple Leafs handled the trade deadline? And how do you feel, you know, they've asset managed so far for themselves? Well, I think you guys know better than anybody. It's been a pretty chaotic four or five days in Leafland here. You know, you go back to Tuesday's law, you know, six days ago, then you get to Thursday, and we're back right where we got to be. If we play like that, we're you know, we're a contender, and then you get to the debacle on Saturday. So I think it's been chaos. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, I give Kyle credit. I think the knee-jerk reaction could have been, let's do something big, let's get rid of Barry, let's, let's try and, um, you know, try and change this up here. Um, but I think that's when mistakes happen. I really do. Um, you know, it, it obviously was very difficult, I think, for Kyle to sit still today, you know, with the exception of the Rosen deal, which is really an AHL deal more than almost anything. So, um, you know, I think it would have been tough for him to go out and, and give away, you know, Tyson Berry, even if he got a good return on Tyson Berry and at least missed the playoffs. You know, how does the fan base react to that? They go crazy. Um, you know, Tyson Berry hasn't played very well in the last couple games, but, you know, two of the last three for sure. But he is a good player, you know, and, I, and I said to somebody else today on the interview, I said, if you go back to that trade in the summer when they got Kerfoot and, and Barry, there wasn't a lot of people complaining about that trade. There wasn't a lot of people saying, oh, my God, that's a terrible trade for the Leafs. You know, now we're, you know, we're, we're three-quarters of the way through the season, and Barry's had some issues and stuff, and, you know, the team lacks some sandpaper and stuff. But, you know, people are critical as all hell about it, and, and you know, they built this team the way they've built it. You know, they, they, I think Kyle... You know, a couple of weeks ago, responded to what he saw and went and got Kyle Clifford, obviously Jack Campbell. And you know, I said to another guy today, if they if they walked out today, if they hadn't got Clifford and Campbell, but after today they got him, people would say, hey, they're starting to go out. I mean, they figured it out now. Now they want to play hard. They want to play with some grit. And they got a backup goalie. Everything's good. Well, he did that two weeks ago. So you know, you can't overreact to Saturday. I think it was a it was a very very bizarre game, and, and certainly you know, if you base the, the Toronto fan base on Twitter. The world was coming apart. Um, but I think when you're in Kyle's position, I know they had their pro meetings, pro scouting meetings this weekend, and, and trying to figure out what they were going to do forward. And I think they looked at things, and, you know, obviously nothing made real sense to them. They've got the team they've built here. And, you know, it's on the players. It, it really is. Like, again, if you look at the top rosters in, in the, the whole entire league for talent, Toronto's up in the top five, top seven. There's not a doubt in my mind. Now those players have to go out and play like they did Thursday and not like they did Tuesday or Saturday. Corey, what are your thoughts there, my friend? No, Mark is the nail on the head, man. I'm just taking it all in, to be honest. I do have one question for Mark, though. Um, what do you think was going through Julian Breesbaugh's head to pay a first-round pick for a birthday good job today? Well, I think, you know, what happens in those situations, you know, I haven't had, I mean, when I worked in the National League, they didn't really ask me my opinion on trade deadline day, but I have worked in the Ontario Hockey League on that. 
on trade deadline days for 20 years now. So, you know, once you get down to the wire, you know, Julian Breezebois decided he had to go get a couple things. He wanted to get bigger, stronger, uh, heavier, you know, based on what happened to them last spring. So, you know, I think he probably targeted Barkley Goodrill, who's got some cost certainty and a good contract for next year. So I'm sure in the pro meetings they sat and said, let's get Barkley Goodrill. And Doug Wilson is, is one of the best in the league at getting what he can get. And he would have held out, held out, held out. I think Julian Breesbaugh probably had a couple other things in the fire. They didn't pan out, and all of a sudden it gets near the deadline, and, and he just says, you know what, a first or a second, you know, he's probably willing to give up a second. And Doug Wilson says either a first or nothing. And, you know, he, I'm not going to say he panicked, but he decided at that point, you know, their window is closing in Tampa Bay. So, you know, we've got to go and get him, and, and we've got a guy for next year that's got cost certainty. But, it, you know, it's it's a good move by Doug Wilson to get a first for a guy like that. You know, I watched him play his whole career. He's a good player. He's a great two-way guy and a heavy guy. But, you know, uh, he's a first-round first pick. What could Montreal have gotten for Peaches? You know, I mean, that that's the question. You know, if I'm a Habs fan today, tonight, I'm not very happy because I looked at what the return was for him and you looked at what they could have gotten for Tatar or Petrie, who were both way better players than and Barkley Goodrow. So, you know, I think Tampa decided they, they had to have this player and, and got him and had to give up a first board, and, and Doug Wilson's the winner of it. Yeah, I agree for sure. I do have another question in regards to scouting. Obviously, you're a realm of expertise. Fellow Newfoundlander like myself, I do have to ask, where do you have Thomas Mercer coming up in June? Where do we have Thomas Mercer? We've got Thomas Mercer on my list recently. But I think Thomas Mercer is at, uh, I want to say, 19, maybe. I think he's, uh, I, haven't, uh, I haven't looked at him in a couple of days, but uh, good player. I think uh, he's probably going to be a first-rounder. Um, and we'll see what happens with the, it's a really good draft, as you know. Uh, yeah. And, and you know, we've certainly talked to, you know, when I talk to teams, it's it's as chaotic a board as I've seen in, in forever. You know, I'll ask a, a team, you know, where do you have this guy thinking they're going to say 10 to 15, and they'll say 36 to 40. Uh, likewise, I'll ask about a guy who, you know, we've got late second, and they see we've got him in our top 15. So, they're all over the map in terms of teams are all over. Because there's so many good players, I think we'll see where guys uh, drop and, and, you know, which guys rise up. But uh, it'll be an interesting draft day. But, you know, he's a heck of a player that I think uh, has a really great future. Before we swing yeah, the ship back to, towards the, uh, the Maple Leafs there, Mark, I want to ask you, a lot of teams obviously loaded up with picks. We talked about Ottawa just a moment ago and a little bit about the Sharks, obviously recouping a first-round pick where they have their one sitting over in Ottawa, which looks to be a primo pick. I'm wondering, in your um, expertise, who else loaded up and is going to be looking good come the draft? As you said, it is a deep draft, so a lot of players could be going. Montreal is a team that jumps off the page to me, but they didn't do much more to solidify the picks, but they have a bunch already. But who is another team other than those two that you think is uh, prime for the uh, the draft this year? You know, I think Detroit has, has got some picks this year, um, you know, put themselves in a position and you know, some of these trades that happened before today as well, you know, I think some teams added some some picks to the draft. And, you know, because it's such a deep draft, whereas usually a second didn't have a lot of value, these days seconds have a ton of value because, you know, the draft is so deep and there's so many good players this year. So, you know, I think that the teams obviously that are, that are selling that, you know, are out of the playoffs, I think they've gone and, and gotten a few more picks than, than they had. I think LA's got some picks this year too that, you know, I think are going to help them rebuild that, that system. But, you know, we'll see. And Montreal Auto are the two that I'll be really interested to watch just in terms of the, the volume of picks they have. You know, the ability when you have a volume of picks, you can now move up, right? So you, they've got three firsts, and, you know, if they want to package two of those firsts and move up into the top five, let's say, they might be able to do that uh, with a team that's that's in that top five that doesn't have somebody they truly absolutely love. So, you know, I'm a draft guy, and, and you know, certainly the more picks you have, the more Yeah, Corey, I cut you off there before I jumped into that question. Do you have something more for uh, for Mark there, my friend? Well, I was just going to mention the trade there last week with Boston. Um, when they traded and gave up Axel Anderson, I was pretty shocked at that. I mean, I I live in PEI now, so I watch a lot of the, the Q games, and I actually have a friend who plays on Moncton, and I, he's a phenomenal right-handed defenseman. I was shocked that the Boston Bruins would let him go, um, especially since Stephen Alchara you know, winding down his career now, potentially Tory crew walking. Were you shocked to see him part of that deal? 
I was shocked to see a few guys. He was one of them for sure. Kaylin Addison was another guy. But, yeah. You know, I think, you know, I think what it came down to is teams. Some teams are loaded up in, in their prospects now. Boston isn't one of them, so you're, you're exactly right at that point of view. But you know, I think of, of Tampa Bay is pretty loaded up. But I think at the end of the day, you know, they're really attractive. The teams, um, you know, that are trading um, because you know they know what they've got. You know, they're a couple years away. They're going to have cost certainty. They're pretty sure they're going to be really good players. So. I said uh, last week at the interview, and I told somebody it used to be that when you you were going to get you wanted to get a high end player from a team, you called them and said, "Listen, I want you know player X, a high end player. I'm going to give you these two prospects." The, the league has really changed. There's a lot of scouting that goes on. When I first started, teams didn't really scout anybody but their own personnel. So you know, if they went to games, they didn't. If the kid was property of another team, they didn't do any reports on him. They didn't worry about him because he wasn't their property. Now every player is, is heavily, heavily scouted. There are reports on everybody. Um, so now all of a sudden, you know, when you have your amateur meetings, you look around and you say, okay, are there guys in other organizations we should target? And I think Anderson would have been one of them. You know, I think Addison was another where they went in and said, listen, this kid is, is going to be a really good player. And when you go to Boston or Tampa with that situation and you say, these are the guy I want, I don't think they want to give them up, but they realize you have to give up something. And you know, instead of giving up maybe a first this year, they're saying, hey, let's give up that. So, yeah, I was surprised to answer your question in a long-winded week, but uh, I'm not surprised teams covered those guys because you know, there's so much scouting and coverage of guys now that you know they would have seen how well he's played out, out east and, and uh, you know, obviously targeted him and got him. Like you said, uh, with Tampa, Boston's time to win is now. Their window is closing as well. They got their, their you know, the top six guys are in the prime, you know, and Koshay from Anaheim is obviously ready now. When Axel Anderson is ready, these guys might be on the way out. You know, who knows what could happen. But I can see why they did it, but I was also shocked because they're going to be, in my opinion, hurting for defenseman in the next three, four years. And watching him live, he's going to be a stud. You know, I, not to interrupt, but, you know, when Nolan Foot was traded, I was shocked. Again, I'm a guy, you know, I think we're guys that we know the junior players more than the average fans. So I think the average fans said, oh, well, they traded a, you know, a kid in major junior. And you know, those three kids we were talking about, oh, well, they traded a kid in major junior the draft a couple of years. I mean, now, Nolan Foote's got a chance to be a superstar in the NHL. The way he can shoot it, he's a big kid, the power forward. You know, I was shocked that they, you know, Tampa gave him up. But at the end of the day, they had to give him up at some point in time because, you know, obviously they wanted the asset. But, you know, I think, uh, as I said earlier, like these guys, you know, they don't, the organizations don't want to give them up. I think they know what they have. But, uh, you know, it's either that or, or take a player off your roster, a young player off your roster, the other way. And I think they're, they're going to take a lesser of two evils and give a kid that might be a really good player down the road. Well, speaking of taking off of their roster, the Toronto Maple Leafs are looking at a team behind them who took someone off their roster who was a very high-end player in Vincent Trocek and sent him to the Carolina Hurricanes in exchange for uh, Eric Halla and Mr. Walmark. I'm wondering, Mark, for your perspective, does that weaken the Florida Panthers? Does that give Toronto a leg up now without having Vincent Trocek riding shotgun in, uh, in Florida there as a second-line center? Or does adding those two players help strengthen the overall continuity of the uh, the Florida Panthers lineup and give more fits to Toronto Maple Leaf fans watching their backs as uh, Florida's creeping up? Well, I'm a, I'm a big Lewis Walmart fan. I always have been, you know, before draft year. So, you know, I, I think Florida got a good young player. But it, it is a bit of a puzzling move to me. Let's look in the last week. They've given up Denny Malkin. They've given up Vincent Trocek. Two pretty skilled guys, and, and obviously Vincent Trocek is a more important player for them being a second line center. So it's a little confusing to me. It tells me that Joel Quenville didn't like his mix. Um, you know, this is obviously his first year going in there, and he's now had the season to kind of see what he has. Um, you know, I, I think Florida got, you know, as you said, they got Hall as well, and they got some other kids. Um, so, you know, I think in terms of, of adding to their overall depth in, in, in the organization and on that roster, they may have helped a little bit. But, you know, if you're going to tell me that Eric Hall and Walmart for Malibu and uh, and Trocheck. I mean, that's just not, it doesn't seem right to me. So, you know, there might have been issues there. Maybe they didn't like the way Vincent Trocheck was playing. I'm, you know, I'm a big fan. I think he's a really good player, and I, I think it was a good trade to, to get him. But, uh, you know, for Florida, it's perplexing. I'm not going to lie to you. They did. When that happened, I kind of thought, you know, that's a little bit strange. As much of a fan of Walmart as I am. Well, and then you look around the other teams. We talked about Tampa, we talked about Boston. Now you look at the Buffalo Sabres going out and getting Wayne Simmons after they shipped out Connor Sheary. Um, I'm wondering what happened there. Why did Wayne Simmons waive his no trade to go there? And was that just an appeasing move 
for Jack Eichel, obviously. They are six points out from catching the Maple Leafs for last in the, or third in the Atlantic, and then they're eight points out of the wild card. So this move is not one really that you look to say, this is bolstering us to help us make that push. Yeah, another perplexing move, I'm not going to lie to you. You know, I mean, I would have thought Buffalo would have been sellers more so than buyers. You know, people forget in this game that you know, the general managers are human beings and they have contracts and they've got to try to save their jobs at times. You know, and, and uh, you know, to go and get Wayne Simmons kind of screams to me, listen, we're going to try and add a little push, your bid, a little bit of a buzz in the room, add a guy who's a phenomenal character guy. You know, his best days are behind him, and, but he might be able to rise shotgun for Jack Eichel. Um, you know, and, and six points is six points, but, you know, really that's one good week and the Leafs have another bad week. And if you watch the Leafs on Saturday night, you wouldn't really be worried about having to try to catch him over the next six weeks or five weeks of the season. So um, I thought it was a weird move. I thought it was a case of, I think what would probably happen at the end of the day, they realized they had to give up a conditional fifth for him, which is you know, a pretty low price if you look at the other prices that you know, were, were for other players today. A conditional fifth is pretty low. Why he waived his no trade, I don't know. I, that confused me. You know, I think he, he made it known all along. I talked to his agent. He would have preferred to stay um, and play there. Obviously, something happened in the last 48 hours, and he decided to trade to, to, to move. You know, maybe Philly put it to him that, listen, you're going to drop in the lineup or you're going to be in the stands at times if you don't make the trade here. Um, but it, it was perplexing on, the, on a whole bunch of fronts. And he felt smart. We gathered in Buffalo kind of saying, hey, let's give it a shot for a, for a fifth-round pick. It's, it's kind of a cocky or a gamble. But, you know, at the end of the day, we'll see how it works out. But I, I don't see vaulting them into the playoffs by any stretch. You can't see Wayne Simmons being overly happy in Buffalo. So uh, it's certainly a perplexing deal to, all the way around. So as we sit here today, obviously trade deadline day, the dust is now settled. All the teams have made their moves. All their eggs are in the basket. So Mark, all the cliches now need to end. Who do you see as a team that made the most improvements? And who do you see going forward as the team that everyone is now going to have to beat? I've been beating the drum for the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think adding Coleman and Bogosian and having a healthy team going on the run that they are on, I, I think it's them. But I'm wondering, and Corey, I'll get you to answer this right after Mark, but I'm wondering, who do you think this is? Well, for me, you know, I think you're right. I think Tampa is the team that has to scare everybody. If you're looking around, you know, you might have to play in the playoffs. I understand Boston. I understand the history of Boston. But if you're asking me to play Boston, Tampa right now, I'm, I'm taking Boston, you know, despite Tampa's problems in the playoffs. The other team, I think, is kind of a, not a sleeper, but teams guys aren't talking about as much as Pittsburgh, you know, the Patrick Marlowe move is kind of mocked a little bit. You know, I mean, why would you go get a guy that's, that's obviously you know past his prime? But there's a high character guy that can still really skate and help them. You know, Zucker kid moving coming in there is really going to help them. So I think you know I really do believe that Pittsburgh's a team. Whenever you have Sidney Crosby and Kenny Malkin, you know you've got a you've got a real shot at it. And, you know they've added a couple pieces to make it make them uh, you know tough to play. So you know I think Tampa's one to load and you know certainly I don't know but certainly tweaked it enough to make themselves hard to play again. And, and Pittsburgh added some more skill and, and they're going to be tough to beat the playoffs as well. What do you think, Corey? Um, I agree with all those points for sure. Um, I think Edmonton made a big splash today. Um, they got a little bit more depth. They got even quicker if that was possible. Um, Mike Green's at the end of his career, kind of, but you know what? He can help them. You got Chris Russell still out. Um, right-handed shot demon are hard to come by, man. And You know, they pulled the trigger, they got it. If they go for the power play, they'll probably play bottom six minutes, I would think. But it's a big boost. Tyler Ennis, I loved him when he was at Toronto. It broke my heart to see him leave. I think he's phenomenal. Um, you know, and you got Anthony Sioux. I, I hear he's a bit of a big eagle guy, but obviously he's not going to be an eagle guy in that room. Um, I'd like to see what he can do there. I'm excited to see what they're going to bring. You know, all these fans have had a long, frustrating tenure, man. So I think they're going to be uh, one of the dark horses in the West for sure. Um, it's hard, hard to pick in the East, man. you got so many powerhouses. But I'm going to have to go with Boston right now. I mean, acquiring Cache, second-line wingers, what they needed. Um, you reunited the Ritchie brothers. Um, plus, you know, they have probably the best line in hockey right now and have all year. So come playoff time, they're a playoff hockey team. They're built to play playoff hockey, and it'll be hard to bet against the Bruins right now. Well, Mark, I really want to thank you very much for uh, swinging by. Busy trade deadline day, obviously. 
a lot of things going on for you, a lot of looking at paperwork, talking to people and getting everything geared up for yourself. So thank you for sparing a little bit of time so late in the evening. I uh, hope you have a great day, my friend. Thanks for stopping by. No, thanks, guys. As, uh, as I've already told you, I enjoy coming on. And uh, anytime you guys uh, call, I'm certainly ready to, to come on and help out as best I can. And, uh, yeah, it was a good trade, line, trade deadline day. Now we get ready for the playoffs. But uh, good luck to you guys. Good luck to your Leafs. And uh, we'll see how it goes here in the final six weeks. No worries. We'll be talking to you closer to playoffs. Get your predictions and some matchups. All right, so that was Mark Seidel. Obviously, you can find him on Twitter, North American Central Scouting. He does a lot of work for different teams, and obviously, as you heard, always has the up and up on a lot of young players, as you heard him talking with Corey there about Axelson and talking about Foot and Kalen Addison, which me and him had a great conversation over the World Junior time about Kalen Addison, how he was a virtual unknown and now is thrust upon and looked at as a key piece for now. So looking forward... Corey, I said we are now what? Are we how are we going to be okay? Are we going to be upset? Are we going to be infighting with all of our, you know, fans and fellow members of Leafs Nation or are we going to finally accept the fact that this is our team, we have the talent as you heard Mark say, he puts us in the top 5, top 7 in the league in terms of talent up front. So obviously this team has the uh, the goods to get her done. So I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, does it suck that we didn't stack up and get all the other players? Yes. But guess what? We have a good team, especially when the guys get back. So for me, I'm looking forward to what these guys can do now that the uh, trade deadline pressure is off. How are you feeling, and where do we go from here for you? I'm feeling pretty good. You know, I had to have a little while to kind of cool off. But, I mean, to quote delay her books, you're not going to win games on skill alone. You know, you got to work. Every team in this league works for everything they get, like the Carolina Hurricanes. Like, work their bag up night in, night out, and it shows to get results. So, that's what they need. That's what Sheldon Keith needs to cement into these guys' brains, these young kids. You want anything in this game, you need to work for it. And I think one win, two wins, just like that, our confidence is going high. And all of a sudden, you get the support of League Nation behind you again. I think you're always going to have that support, but they'll be less frustrated and they'll be less negative. I mean, look at Thursday. How, I mean, sorry, Tuesday. We were rock bottom on Tuesday after that loss. Thursday again. After that win, we were sky high. We were invincible. Saturday night, rock bottom again. So we're very bipolar fans. Give us a couple wins in a row here. Even one. We'll take one. And our confidence is back. We forget about the deadline day. And we're excited about the future. And we're excited about the playoff run. Well, let's get excited for the Leafs Nation playoff run. We are going to be coming at you each and every week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Leafs Nation. So get excited for more full press Leafs. We'll get this ironed out and much more smooth as we go along. Corey, it's been a great time sitting here, chatting her up with you. Thank you very much for Jeremy Ridgewell for swinging by. And also thank you to Mark Seidel for stopping in and giving us a chat. All right, guys, that's full press Leafs for this week. We'll chat at you soon. Later days. Later days.